A Roman Catholic priest once told me a joke about a young boy in a class that prepared seven or eight-year-old children to receive Holy Communion for the first time. The year-long class instructed the children on the meaning of communion in Roman Catholic tradition, including the doctrine that the prayers at Mass transformed the bread into the real body and blood of Jesus Christ. In one of the class sessions, the boy was given a thin, round wafer, like the one he would receive at communion in his church. We've used these wafers here at St. Paul's for much of the pandemic. The boy looked at the wafer in his hands and said, you want me to believe this is Jesus? I don't even believe this is bread. That boy makes a good case for using real bread at our own Eucharistic celebrations when we can. Real bread shows us that God works with the very real things of this world, transforming them and stretching them to meet the many needs of many people. Real bread is baked by members of our own community as a ministry, rather than mass-produced in a liturgical food factory. Receiving a torn piece of that bread also reminds us that we're part of larger wholes. Now, I know that the gluten-free among us miss out on some of this symbolism by receiving a self-contained wafer. A friend of mine who's an Episcopal priest and also has celiac disease can't consume any trace of bread that contains gluten. So she receives the wafer, but thinks of it like manna or Passover flatbread, and most importantly, as a foretaste, but just a foretaste of that heavenly banquet, as our Eucharistic prayer puts it. One article of my friend's faith is this. In heaven, she says, there will be bread, and I'll be able to eat it. Even without receiving any bread at all, I've come to appreciate that a nice big loaf looks great on camera. It gives us something to hold in mind when we pray the prayer for spiritual communion. Lord Jesus, the prayer goes, we beg you to come spiritually into our hearts and let us never be separated from you. We see the loaf of bread and ask Jesus to close the distance between the altar and our innermost selves in miraculous ways. There's a problem with using real bread, though. Crumbs. Crumbs accumulate as we break the bread and tear off tiny pieces for each person. Crumbs float around the communion cup after people dip the bread in the wine. And these crumbs aren't just a messy nuisance. For many, they can be a source of anxiety. Now, some of us have such a strong conviction that every single crumb, no matter how small, is the literal flesh and blood and divinity of Christ, so that to let a crumb fall on the floor or end up in a wastebasket is a painful offense to Christ himself. 
Wafers keep us more comfortable in this case. We don't have to break them. And when they do break, they're crisp enough not to make many crumbs. Now that perception of the sacrament isn't so much part of my own formation, but I still get a little stressed out when I have the chance to share communion with people from some other denominations. And I see a heel of bread left over from communion without a plan to consume it properly. Or I see flakes and chunks scattered on the floor after passing around a blessed loaf of particularly crusty bread. As part of my own Eucharistic sensibilities, I keep track of every single crumb and the many ministers who tend this altar and its sacraments take care of every crumb that we can as well. I think that feeling of responsibility to account for and revere for every crumb of the bread made holy probably comes from my long life as an Episcopalian. But today's gospel also sheds some additional light on why here at St. Paul's, every crumb matters. There's such an emphasis in today's gospel on little bits. For Philip, small amounts are cause for alarm and anxiety. They mean that there's not enough to go around. He worries that 200 denarii, the equivalent of half a year's living wage, would buy only enough food for every person in the crowd to have a little bit, or a morsel, as one translation puts it. What's the point of spending so much money for so small a dent in people's hunger? But the story that follows has so many words that have a different perspective on littleness. The words for fish and boy in our gospel reading are diminutives in the Greek. Quick grammar lesson. The word duckling is a diminutive of the word duck, so a form that makes it into something small. So what our translation today calls fish are sometimes translated as little fish to make it clear that the word is a diminutive. So they're sort of like fishlets. The boy who contributes the loaves and fish isn't just a boy, but a little kid, as one translation has it. I like to think of him as a tyke. And Jesus gave thanks, literally, after he Eucharisted. When he did so, these small contributions from a small person turned into plenty. Another image of smallness appears in the fragments that the disciples gather into 12 baskets, one full basket per disciple. An instruction manual from the second century for how to say the Eucharist actually uses the same word for fragment when it spells out what to say over the Eucharistic bread. The manual calls the bread the fragment rather than the bread or the loaf. So I like to imagine these early Christian communities who didn't mass produce wafers or even bake a whole special loaf, but laid aside one portion or fragment of what they had so they could gather around it as Christ's body. These early Christians must have had a strong sense 
of the importance and value and potential and holiness of fragments. In today's gospel, Jesus himself explains the importance of gathering the fragments from the miraculously multiplied loaves and fish. Gather up the fragments left over, he says, so that nothing may be lost. These instructions from Jesus suggest that no matter how miraculously abundant our resources, there isn't enough to waste carelessly. The words, so that nothing may be lost, also foreshadow Jesus' prayer at the end of his earthly ministry about people, describing how Jesus guarded and protected the people entrusted to him so that not one of them was lost. The crumbs matter because Jesus asked us to gather and care for them after he took, blessed, and broke bread in today's gospel. The crumbs matter because small contributions are how God closes the gap between the little we have and the vast needs of the world. And the crumbs matter in a special way today. The crowd of many thousands of people in today's gospel, it tells us, had come to Jesus for one reason. They're desperate to know what can be done for the sick. What they find instead is a sign that little children have tremendous value. And they find a reminder that our small actions have exponential consequences. <laughs>